welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I just want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 2. I want to talk to you today about the four ingredients or the four keys that you need to fulfill your assignment. This is an amazing message because all these keys or ingredients are needed <clears throat> if you're going to fulfill the assignment that God has for you. This will help you, this will equip you, it will stop you being frustrated, it will answer questions that you may have about what God wants to do in your life. Because I'm convinced that everybody has an assignment from God. And about 35% of the congregation and growing are convinced also. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for most people. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans of good and not of evil. We must be convinced in our heart that no matter what outcome in a person's life where they end up in the pit, God always had in his mind something great for that person. And where you find yourself in life is not a reflection of the magnificent plan that God has for you. Because God only knows to do things well. When he created the world, he looked and he said, it's good, it's good. He never made a mistake. And I know you've heard all these things before, but we have to have this revelation that the very fact that I exist points to this fact that God, somewhere in his heart, in eternity, dreamed up something great. And it's called me. I am God's gift to the world. And so are you. Are you hearing me? And I know we get battered and bruised and disappointed and challenged in our life. The enemy constantly assaults us in this realm of our assignment. Well, what's the purpose of my life? Am I going to make a difference? When I die and they bury me, will I be forgotten? Or will something about my life leave a mark on society forever? And it's in every person's heart, this deep desire, God-given desire, to be significant and make a difference. And to not have that is to be suppressed of the very gift that God gave you, you were created for greatness. That being the case, we have to ask ourselves, what are the essential ingredients for fulfilling the assignment of my life? Because you know and I know that if you just coast through life, you won't achieve your assignment. It'll be snatched from you, you'll be deceived, it'll all go pear-shaped. The assignment that God has for your life is real and valid whether you ever achieve it or not. But the reality is this, you've got to know how to possess that which God has given you. Are you getting this? And so I want to share four things like the four legs of a chair. They're all essential things. Without one of them, the chair falls over. And in this passage of Scripture, we find four Essential things alluded to in this passage of Scripture that are essential for your assignment. So are you ready? Good. And again, he entered Capernaum. So that means he's been there before. Yes? Good. Case of deduction. After some days, and it was heard that Jesus was in the house. And immediately many gathered together... So there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. I underlined that in my Bible. And he preached the word to them, and they came to him bringing a paralyzed man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they thought, well, let's just give up and go home. No. They said there's got to be another way. 
So they climbed up on the roof. They uncovered the roof where Jesus was. Now this story is told in a few different Gospels that gives us insight into different aspects. But let's continue to read. So when they had broken through the roof, they let down the bed on which the paralyzed man was lying. And Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven you. And of course, as you read the story, the paralyzed man was made whole. The assignment of the four men was to get that paralyzed man from where he was to a place where Jesus could heal him. That was their assignment. So I want to give you four things out of this story that you need to understand to unlock your assignment. So are you ready? Good. Number one, we need an agreement of purpose. This is the God factor. So there are four factors. We need an agreement of purpose. In the previous chapter that I alluded to at the start, Jesus had visited Capernaum. And he performed amazing miracles. So we're reading chapter 2. But Jesus had already been to that same house, many scholars believe, which is Peter's house and Andrew's house. He'd been there before in a previous life. And he performed amazing miracles. So much so that we read about they couldn't even stand near the door. The whole city was gathered at the door of the house in chapter 1. You can read about that in chapter 133. And as they, the whole city gathered near the door, it says in chapter 1, verse 33, Jesus healed many of the sick. He cast out demons. He was in his moment. The, the assignment, the perfection of what God had planned was taking place there. In the previous chapter, now we come to chapter 2, in the same house, in the same city, with the same Jesus. But the issue, it's now a new chapter and a new approach to God is needed. What worked in chapter 1 is not working in chapter 2. They came to the house, stood at the door, and miracles took place. They come to the same city, the same house, the same door, and there are no miracles. The same power of God is there to heal. Because as you read this story, uh, I think it's in Luke chapter 5, the account of this story in Mark 2, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal people. But we've just read Mark 2 and nobody's getting healed. I don't see anyone being healed here. He's preaching the word, but no one's been healed. Mark chapter 1, same house, same town, same door, healings are taking place. And as I read this story, I thought to myself, whenever you read through the Gospels, whenever the power of the Lord is present to heal, healings take place. You're reading Luke 6, 17, I think it is, that when the power of the Lord came, demons were cast out, people were set free, people were healed, amazing miracles take place, but it's not happening here. So you could ask yourself, why? Why isn't it happening? God's desire is to move. Yes? The power of the Lord is present to heal. Same place, same door, same city, same sort of people, but different results. The issue is a chapter has turned. I know it's just a man-made chapter, but it's, it's, it's significant because it says... As we read this, now he entered Capernaum again. Again, to win. Well, he'd been there in chapter 1, now he's here in chapter 2. And that's the problem. The church thinks, because God did it this way then, he's going to do it the same way now. And this is the issue with the assignment. The church has to have an agreement with God about this one thing. 
What is it that is on your mind for this hour? That's what the assignment's about. The way to a miracle in this story is not through the door. There's no miracle at the door. The miracle is through the roof. So we must ask God this question. What is on your mind? When God stops moving, not always, but often, it's because there is a new chapter. So what does it look like today when we say, God, pour out your spirit? Which is a great thing to say, isn't it? God, let there be a reviving of your church. So you hear many people saying, we're going to have a revival weekend. Well, what does that mean to God now? What does revival look like? What does a manifestation of the presence of God look like? I've been in meetings when you could define it however you like, but I knew something had, had broken out in this group of people. You walked in and you could feel the presence of God. God had a plan and a purpose. And see, this is where I think, and you can say, well, who are you to say that? Well, this is just my opinion. But this is what I think is happening today in the church. I believe a chapter is turning and people aren't good when chapters are turned. Isaiah says, behold, I will do a new thing. Shall you not perceive it? Why? Because when the chapter's turning, it's hard to know, am I in one or two or in between? Forerunners go to second chapter while people are still stuck in the first chapter. And they say, come on over. The presence of the Lord is here to heal. But it's through the roof. So to understand how to function in my assignment, I've got to ask this. Do I have an agreement of purpose with God? Is there a perception of his chapter in my life? And I want to humbly say that I believe, and time will be the proof, that the church is in a turning of the chapter. And the purposes of God are still to heal and to save and deliver. We saw that in this story. But it's not through the door, it's through the roof. In other words, he's saying, I still want to pour out my spirit. I still want to bless. I still want to heal. I still want to deliver. But I have a different way of doing it in this generation. And if you keep perceiving me through a chapter one mentality, you will go to the door, the power of the Lord will be there to heal, and nothing's going to happen. And you will say, where is God in this hour? And he will say, the issue is this, the assignment is still the same. I still want to reach this generation, but the chapter has turned. And the way I do it is going to be very different. I believe that we need a new approach for this hour, a new approach for our families, a new approach to raising our children, a new approach, I could get on a bandwagon here, but I've got four points to cover, a new approach to how we school our children, a new approach to how we run businesses, a new approach to finances in the kingdom. A new understanding of who we are in Christ. A new understanding of our role in politics. A new understanding of how to infiltrate every mountain of society. Because revival will look very different in chapter 2. Did you hear that? Chapter 1's finished. Yes, he's the same God. He is yesterday, today and forever. He's the God of eternity, but the expression of God changes. And some of you need to change the chapter with God. You have a mentality, and I'm talking to people, even that will watch this on on video, listen on podcast, in the days to come, God wants to give you a chapter upgrade. He's the same God, but he's working through different means. And so if we're going to get a revelation of our assignment What the first factor I need to understand is the God factor. I must have an agreement of purpose for my assignment. 
Your assignment may look the same. You may be called to be an evangelist. But the expression is going to be different in chapter 2. And so this will be the challenge for the church. Can we turn the page with God? Because if we don't, you mark my words, we will watch God move to a people that will do that, called forerunners. These four men were forerunners. They were forerunners. This whole story is about a forerunning spirit that perceives where God is moving, that are prophetic in nature, that see what others don't see, that say, you know what, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done, but there's a new expression. Forerunning is a lonely place because most of the people stay on chapter 1 until the winds of change force them to move with the times. There's a whole lot more we could say on that, but we've got four points, haven't we? That's only one leg of a chair. So say with me, God. That's a big thing. Agreement of purpose. God, what's your purpose? I want a perception of the chapter that I'm in. One of the great prayers you can pray is this. God, what is on your heart? When you see this city, when you see this church, when you see my life, my family, what are you seeing? Because I want to see that. Point two, agreement of purpose, aligning of people. Aligning of people. Four men. How many men? Another question. Four men. Aligned together to make this assignment come to pass. If you're carrying somebody or something and there's four people required Say you're carrying a bed and one lets go of that bed. If there's four pillars or four poles and say you're carrying someone on a camp bed, if one let, lets go, what happens to the bed? It, it, it sags, it drops. You need four men aligned to work together. And as I looked at this, I thought to myself, the second point is there must be an alignment to the purposes of God, alignment of people to the purposes of God. The people must be aligned. Don't miss this point. Because it's not just God. I can hear God's assignment, but then God's going to align me with people that are of like mind to work together, who discover the assignment for the hour and say, I will work with you. One man could not carry this paralyzed man up the roof and lower him down. It needed four men of equal strength. Do you agree? Thank you for agreeing. Paul said to the Corinthian church, I would that you be of the same mind and of the same judgment. Power comes to the church, not by the size of number, but by the quality of unity. That's what determines great power. There were 120 people, not many people, in the day of Pentecost, but they were of all of one purpose and one mind. They all understood the assignment, they're all committed to it, and the power of God came and God began to fulfill an assignment that would change the world. Four men of equal strength. Four men of equal strength. Alignment of people is important. If you will fulfill your assignment, you must be with the right people. I have said this so many times and Christians still refuse to acknowledge or understand the gravity or the importance in fulfilling your assignment, being aligned with the right people. You get somebody wrong on your team. And where are those four strong men? Come forward, please. Is there four strong men in this church? Lord, give us four strong men. Give them a hand. Well, there's three strong men and Dean. <laughs> Come over here, guys. Oh. Don't feel sad for him. 
He gets to preach. He can return the compliments. Come around here, guys. Now imagine if I've got Dean. I'm getting to you. And Adrian. And they've got me here. Put your hands under my armpits. These other two boys have got my legs. And, and, and the assignment is that way. No, no, I don't want you to move yet. And these two want me to go that way. And Dean wants me to go that way, but Adrian wants me to go that way. Watch what happens. Pull, pull. Oh. All right, stop, stop, stop. Now imagine if both Adrian and Dean want me to go that way and these two want me to go that way. Watch what happens. Oh, I think I've just grown about three inches. All right, you can, you can put me up. Give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus. But it's a very simple, childish exercise. But the point being is, you saw the, the effect it has on me being the assignment when we have people pulling in different directions. Just one. Just one. As we get an increased revelation of our assignment, something begins to happen. It's so important that all the church has an understanding of the chapter that we're in. But not only that, there needs to be an increased alignment to the assignment. Where everybody says, that's where I'm going. Leviticus 26 verse 8. Do you know what it says? Have you memorized that? It says, one... It doesn't say that, does it? Do you know what it says? It doesn't say one, it says five. Five will slay a hundred. And what else does it say? Somebody look it up. A hundred, right, will put what? Ten thousand. How many fives in a hundred? Good. How many hundreds in 10,000? You know what that tells me? It tells me that there is, as our collective anointing grows, there's an exponential increase. As there's a coming together of unity, there is a flow of God's anointing. But this is what's interesting. Deuteronomy 23.30 says, one will slay a thousand, and two, ten thousand. So, so again, how many ones in a thousand? How many twos in ten thousand? You're very clever today. Do you see in both of those, there's an increase of five? Do you see that? Five, twenties, a hundred, five, a thousand, a five thousand. What's, what's the underlying picture here? As we come together, there is an increase of grace. Five is the number of grace. That's what he's saying here. Five, do a hundred. And it says, where are we again? And a hundred will do ten thousand. So as there's a collective agreement, there's a flow of grace. Are you getting this? Five a hundred, a hundred will do ten thousand. The more people that come together, there's an exponential increase. But the whole pattern of fives, God was saying, there is a supernatural flow of grace available when we align under the assignment. Fellowship in the New Testament is a covenant word. In the church, we have a fellowship dinner where it means that we all get our leftovers and we bring them together and we try and just hide who brought what. Or let's get together and have a little bit of fellowship. Well, in the church, sometimes that's meant having a chinwag, a gossip, 
wind session. But see, in the New Testament, fellowship was a covenant word. Listen to what it meant. It meant an inherited share of the Father's kingdom assignment. That's what fellowship was, is that we have a share together in the assignment. So when we're in fellowship one with another, it means that we are all sharing the assignment that is on the church, in our families, over the city. It is so important if we will fulfill, uh, to fulfill our assignment that we understand that alignment is critically important. It increases the anointing. It, it, it extends the grace of God over our life. When we find people that are in, in agreement to where we're going. Many people want or say they are in fellowship. Oh, I go to such and such a church. I mean, I fell, where do you fellowship? Oh, I fellowship at, you know, the first church of the Baptist or whatever it might be. But really, that's, it's really a location where they socialize. Because when you dig a bit deeper, you realize that they're not in alignment to the assignment of that church. They don't even know it. They go there for all the wrong reasons. And people are stuck in churches because of their commitment to socialization and friendship rather than their assignment. And they're dying on the inside because they are misaligned with the assignment over their life. And they value socialization and friendship over God's assignment for their life. And when you stand before God, he won't say, did you have lots of friends in church? Which is not a bad thing to have. He's going to say, what did you do with the assignment I gave you? Where are the talents? Where are the talents? What did you do? When I said occupied till I come, I gave you an assignment. I gave you a certain number of minors. What did you do with a calling that I placed on your life? Oh, but Lord, you know, I wanted my friends. Your friends are pulling you the wrong way. So I'm not saying don't have friends. I'm not saying go to a church where no one likes you. That's not a good idea. But what I am saying is, you better make sure that when you choose a church, if you're listening to me today, that you don't choose it based on the best daycare or the best coffee or the best preaching or the best this or people that do that. You better choose it based on the assignment that God has for your life and whether there's a yes and amen with what God's called you. There's so much carnality in the body of Christ today. So much carnality. Well, I don't want to go there. Well, you ask the right questions. You know, we have people coming. We want our church to grow. We want new people coming. We love people. But some people that walk in the door, you just know that this isn't the place. Because they're going to be pulling left where we're going right. And that's okay. It's not about right and wrong. It's about this is the chapter. Abraham was 75 years old. God came to him and said, Hey, Abraham. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And the Bible says Abraham believed that and God credited him as righteousness. He was ready right there and then to have his baby. He had a problem though because it takes two to have a baby. Last time I checked. Now his wife was in agreement. Yes, you have heard from God but she wasn't in alignment. She hadn't heard from God. And we know that because she said, you know what, why don't you get somebody else to hold one of those bits on the camp bed called Hagar. Why can't she step in for me? Problem was that God had not called Hagar. He'd called Abraham and Sarah to be in alignment to the assignment for their life. So God had to wait until there was an alignment and he came and spoke to Sarah and Sarah heard for herself the assignment wasn't just for her husband, but it was for her also. You are both called to this assignment. And the moment she heard Hebrews 11 verse 12 says this, listen to this, by faith Sarah herself also. Did you hear that? Not just Abraham, but Sarah. And I felt God say there are Married couples here today where God is saying to you, it's not enough for one of you to have a passion for the assignment for your life. 
It takes two to tango. He wants you both in agreement for the assignment on your life. Don't just push one up and say, well, uh, he's my Abraham. He'll do it. No, God's saying he needs your womb as well as his seed. You must come into agreement for the assignment on your life. And again, it's not enough for half of this church to say, we agree that God has called us to change this city and be forerunners and influence all the mountains of society. And the rest of us will sit here and drink cups of tea and we'll go through the motions. God says, no, I've called Abraham and Sarah because I want an Isaac. All must be in agreement. By faith, Sarah herself also. He wants you. You've got to sign up. He wants us all in alignment together. Can we go back to that slide? So we've got God. On the second leg, we've got others. I need other people. I need to be aligned to the right people. I say this to you again. If you have friends that are pulling you in the wrong direction, it's time to turn the page, the chapter of your life. Listen to me. Every upgrade you will have in life there will be a shifting of your social friends. And if there's not, there's no upgrade because part of the upgrade is a realignment of people. It's not dispatching people saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, I'm too good for you. It's not about that. Every increase, there is a shift. You look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He was first called and he was with Barnabas. And then there was a shift in his life and he was with Silas and Apollos. And on it went. And so there is an upgrade in your life, an upgrade. And I know God's speaking to people today that you are maybe associating with people that are pulling you in the wrong direction. This is not being about being cultish. This is about aligning yourself with the right people. It said of Jesus, when he went on the mountain, he called 12 disciples and it said he called those himself that he wanted. Out of the crowd, he chose 12. Well, that's not very fair. That's not very inclusive. That's not very politically correct. What about all the ones that he didn't choose? He had an assignment. And his assignment was to go to the cross. God help him if he had to pick the crowd when what happened with the 12 that he had? He barely made it, tongue in cheek, with Peter and others that were trying to keep him away from the cross. Your assignment is too valuable before God to put it on the altar of friendship and socialization. You will stand before God and give an account for your life and don't you dare think that you can stand before him and blame your, your friends, your anything about that whole realm because he will say, I gave you an assignment and I told you to align with the right people to get you where you need to go. And if you have nobody and you're committed to the assignment, God will align you with the right people. For there's always four stretcher bearers that are ready to take the assignment to where it needs to go. Some of you need to count the cost. I know you're here. I could come and tap you on the head. And it's painful. Every time you turn a chapter, it's painful. You say goodbye to the past. And you're in, a, you're in a season where you're neither one or two. You're sitting on top of the page, a very thin page. It's easy to stand on a page. You try to stop standing on the top of the page as it turns. Number three, agreement of purpose, aligning of people, awareness of principalities. This is about powerful conflict. They get to the house, and what do they discover? An open door policy? Come in, come in, come in. Oh, great to see you. We've been expecting you. Put your, here's some slippers. Here's a cup of tea. Jesus will serve you soon. No. They get to the house, and instead of being easy, it's difficult. But what, where's the Jesus of chapter 1? Everybody at the door got healed. Now everybody at the door is being shunted away. I say that there has to be an awareness of principalities and powers and the understanding that every assignment will undergo this powerful conflict because the enemy does not want you to fulfill your assignment. So we have the God factor. We have others that we need to be in alignment with. And now we have 
the powers and principalities that are wrestling and warring over the fulfillment of your assignment. Why do you think they came so hard when Moses was born? Because he was a fulfillment of an assignment to free God's people. So the enemy came and he killed all the young babies, all the promises. Why do you think the same enemy came when Jesus was born? And there was weeping because all the mothers were losing their children, murdered and slaughtered. Why? Because the enemy is out to steal your assignment. Three legs. God, others, now I've got the devil. These are all factors that I need to be aware of. God, what are you doing? God, where am I positioned with other people? Now, okay, God, what is going on in the spirit realm that I need to be aware of as I pursue my assignment? Do not be fooled, my friend. If you don't believe in the devil, he quite enjoys that. He will work behind the scenes to rob you of your destiny if you're ignorant. The Bible says, do not be ignorant of his devices. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour people. And we don't believe in a big devil and a small God. We believe in a big God and a small devil. But nevertheless, he is real and he will take out believers that are stupid quite often. And he has a history of doing that. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight. Well, who are we fighting? Well, they're going to have someone to fight if we're fighting. We can't fight ourselves. There is an enemy that fights against us. And every time it seems that we take a step in the right direction towards our assignment, it feels at times like all hell is breaking loose, assaulted in our mind, assaulted in our body. And I'm not, you know, I'm not looking for a demon under every tree, but I'm saying the reality is there is an enemy that wants to resist what God wants to do in your life. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, Daniel's praying for a breakthrough. His assignment is he's called by God to get God's people free. And God's going to use King Cyrus to do that. So Daniel begins to pray before the Lord. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, that from the first day that Daniel set his heart to pray, God heard him. From what day? The first day. But there was a battle that took place. And we must understand when there are delays in your assignment, it doesn't mean that God isn't fulfilling your assignment. It doesn't mean that God's changed his mind. God's delays aren't his denials. Because the, the angel said to Daniel, from the first day that you began to pray and seek my face, I heard you and I sent what they believed to be angel Gabriel to come and bring you a message that would free you. King Cyrus would be the man that would free you. But you know, as you read this story, that as Daniel is praying, unaware of what's taking place in the spirit realm, Daniel is agreeing with God, saying, God, your plan is to redeem and restore your people, to deliver them from captivity and set them free. You promise that. So he's just declaring to the world, he's not binding every demon under a tree. He's just declaring, Lord, your word shall not return void. He's calling out to God, God, honor your word. And as he's doing that, the moment he began to pray, God began to move in his assignment. But we know that there's an evil spirit, the prince of Persia, who is a spiritual deity that is trying to influence a physical king, King Cyrus. He's the king of Persia, and there's a spirit realm that is trying to control this man to stop Israel being delivered. So there's a battle that's taking place over the assignment of God's people. But Daniel keeps praying. Did you hear that? He keeps praying. He didn't know what was going on. And you may, know not, may not know all the ins and outs of what is taking place in this spirit realm. As I've prayed and decreed over this city, I don't want to glorify the enemy, nor will I go into all the details, but there have been demons that have come at night and visited us in our bedroom, woken me up. There have been demons manifest physically because they do not want the assignment for this city. But you know what? We keep declaring the word of the Lord because from the first day that you began to declare, 
God began to move. And it may not look like your assignment is being fulfilled, but we see in the life of Daniel, the moment you begin to declare what is on the heart of God, God has to move. Now, if you don't know that, you can know your assignment, you can have people all around you in alignment, but if you're unaware of what the enemy is doing, you'll grow faint-hearted, discouraged, you'll give up, you'll think God's not in this, you'll say his delays are his denials, you won't know that there's an enemy that is seeking to rob you of your destiny, and particularly of those that press in to the assignment for the hour. We don't need to look for it, but it's just the reality. Wherever there is a turning of the chapter, you know two things. God will be there, and so will the devil. And if you stay true to what God has called you to do, you shall have your breakthrough. God, others, and the devil. That's three legs of a chair. We need another leg. Has anyone got a spare leg? Are you ready? Say with me, me. Oh, look at that. They're all factors that we need in our breakthrough of our assignment, to realize our assignment. The God factor, others, understanding the devil and his operation, being able to stay strong, take authority over him, not being intimidated by his lies. He has come to me, he has spoken to me through people audibly, and I am not moved by what you say. Here's the rule with the devil. Whoever blinks first loses. That's the rule. That's the rule. So you say, I'm not going anywhere. And even if I die not seeing all, I will be like Joseph who says, do not leave my bones in chapter 1. Bury them in chapter 2. For there may be another generation that will fulfill me, but they will listen to my words on the podcast. Maybe. And they will say, that's what he was talking about. I don't know. I hope not. God, others, devil, and me. My personal capacity. This is your favorite point. They get to the house. The devil's there in the crowd resisting them. And so they're not going to be put off by the crowd. So they said, right, there's another way. It's up on the roof. The problem with the roof, if it's, it's up, not down, they've got to climb. They've got to lift somebody. They've got to, they've got to adjust to the pressure now that's on their life. It's not so hard to carry four men Carrying a man on the ground, but to carry him up a roof takes a lot of strength. Adjustment to pressure, personal capacity. So they climb up the roof. Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not cast away your confidence, which is great reward for you. Need endurance. Endurance is the capacity to withstand pressure. Staying power. There may be some things that I lack, but one thing I've asked God for is staying power. I will not quit. The polystyrene man, you can push me down, but I'll keep popping back up because the Holy Ghost within me will not quit. It's not about us, it's about him. If he says you need endurance, we know one thing. He is the God of endurance. He can outlast any attack. With joy and hope. Not just getting by, but he can outlast it with joy. Endurance is the ability to put up with things without giving up. Endurance is the power to prevail against something. So it's not just putting up with it, but able to push through and prevail. That's endurance. Adjustment to pressure, personal capacity. Learning to endure, resist and prevail. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, You must endure hardship like a good warrior, soldier. Why would Paul say that? Because he's saying there's lots of trials. These trials aren't to kill you, but they are to build you. 
Trials are to reveal what's truly inside you. We all have today said, I love you, Jesus. And that was good. And we mean it at a level. But how many know that there are more than one level in a person? Will you still sing the same song if the fire comes up? It's not God saying, see, I told you. You said you love me. I've proven you wrong. I knew you didn't. And that's why I did it, to show you how useless you are. No, he doesn't do that. He's saying, you know what? I don't see in the trials, but I will use the trials so you can see at what level you jump out. So I'm going to use this trial to reveal. See, trials of themselves do not make a man. They reveal a man. Did you hear that? What makes a man is revelation, communication, love, Intimacy with God, that makes a man. And the trial comes to reveal how much you have been transformed in his presence. So the pressure comes. It's all part of fulfilling the assignment of our life. The ability to bear pressure when things are going pear-shaped. Paul says, endure hardship like a good soldier. Now soldiers... Have a mindset of discipline. How often have thoughts come against me of failure and giving up where and you play with these thoughts for a moment. And then you have to say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound disciplined mind. So I pull those thoughts out and throw them away and I replace them with thoughts of hope and future. That's what he's saying. You've got to be like a warrior. Warriors are disciplined in their minds. They have courage instead of fear. What's going to happen? Well, God's saying to you, I'm increasing the pressure. I'm allowing the pressure to increase, sorry, to reveal what's in your heart. So there will be an adjustment in your life. So you grow in your personal capacity. Because you can have God and others and awareness of the devil. But if you have no capacity, you'll never get that thing up on the roof. Are you hearing me? And a lot of Christians don't fulfill their assignment because they've not allowed God to build personal capacity. And the moment the heat gets up too hot, they jump out. When the trial comes, that is not the time to look for God. That's the time when you realize whether you've been looking for God. And I'm amazed at people who go through hardship and We all have to grow in our faith, but when things get tough, they go AWOL. When trials come, they should push us deeper into God, deeper into fellowship, deeper into community, rather than pushing us away. Military training, courage instead of fear, teamwork instead of self-interest. When you're in the army, it's not like, well, I don't really care what you say, Captain. I, I know you want to go and fight over there, but... I see someone over there I want to shoot. I think that's easier. Now imagine if you had a battalion that they all did their own thing. One of the reasons that they talk about this is that there must be uniformity of purpose and mind in an army. You can't afford to have agendas. You can't be in there for the wrong reasons. There's no self-interest. It's all about teamwork. When the captain says, go, we go. Adjustment to pressure. And when they're squealing, I don't want to go. I don't want to serve. I don't come. I don't like that assignment. We have a problem. Because that's not what the assignment's about. The assignment's about four men coming together, working together, understanding our job is to get this man to Jesus. Let's agree on that. Well, I don't know. Maybe you can see Dr. Harry tomorrow. No, 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 no. We all agreed that he had to get to Jesus. That was the answer. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. We're all in agreement. Yes? Yes. We all agree that there's an enemy there. We've got to deal with it. Yep. Right. Now we all agree that we've got to get him to Jesus, get up the roof. Right. Right. Let's go. Let's work together as a team and we can get him there. Adjustment to pressure, personal capacity. Coming together, everybody doing their part. Three men can't get that thing up to the roof. It's impossible. 
It won't work. One man can't carry one handle because you're only built to do your job and then see that handle spare. You will not get that camp bed up onto the roof. It will not happen. And you can't make up for this man. You can't hold both because that's, that's not your role. You've got your job in the army. So when one pulls out, the assignment falters. And often the church has said, church general, well, that prophet never heard from God. Oh, he heard from God. The assignment was right. The people wouldn't align and they wouldn't discipline themselves to work together to get the job done. So God says there must be an adjustment to pressure. What do you like today at handling pressure? Karen said to me a scripture which is often, I've thought about in Jeremiah, I don't have the exact scripture, but it says if you are weary running with the footmen, how are you going to go with the horses? You know, if, if a bill comes in and you cry, oh, I'm not demeaning that, but it's like, well, how can you believe for millions? If, if he can take you out with one person not looking at you the right way, what's going to happen when you stand before kings and media and they're criticising you, stay strong like Flint? Personal capacity. And the enemy laughs at times at the church. He shouldn't, but he does, because he knows that the church has not had the capacity to carry the assignment to Jesus. But it's changing. God's giving the church fresh personal capacity. An alignment to the assignment says, that's what God's called us to do. I'm in. The army, it's all about routine. Wake up. They get up. Six o'clock. Wake up. Oh, wake up. I went to bed late last night. Well, that's your own fault. Get out of bed. Six o'clock. Get up. Get dressed. On the ground. Push-ups. Sit-ups. Run. Then you can eat. I want to eat first. No, run and eat later. Sorry, eat later. Run now. Routine. 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 And they embed it into the, to the soldiers when they first begin. Life is a life of routine because routine will protect you in the battle. And so we build out personal capacity through routine. What does that mean? Praying in the Spirit. Reading the Word. Forgiving. It's routine. So you can't forgive when somebody takes you out if you don't forgive each day. You can't. Routine. So people get taken out in the big things, but they you can't ask them because you have to be nice in church. But you feel like saying... Tell us about your routine. You know, you've erupted like this, but tell me about your routine. You're angry at all these people, but tell me about your routine. Because whenever there's routine, personal capacity is built. We can't be taken out on our assignment. Revelation 3.10, I've got so much more I could share, but it says... You've kept my command to persevere. God commands you today, persevere. Build your capacity. If Jesus was standing here, one of the things he would say is, build your capacity. No, build your capacity. Yeah, but, 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 but you don't understand, Lord. It's, it's really hard today. It's Facebook and it's all these People in the media and there's politicians that make our life difficult. Build your personal capacity. That's the issue. It's not the crowd. Build your capacity because if you do that, you will get to the top. You'll get to where Jesus wants you to be. Build your capacity. It says in Revelation 21.7, Whoever overcomes will inherit all things. Did you hear that? If you make a commitment to that today, you'll inherit. You'll grab what God has assigned you to do. Four legs. God. We put that leg on the chair. What's on your heart? What, what's your assignment for my life? Not what I want to do, but what are you doing? How will it be expressed today? That's what I want. I want to know when you look at my life, my family, my church, 
Hope City Church, this city, what is it that gets your heart moving? That's what I want to know. That's my obsession. Put the God leg on. Others. Who are the people that you've called me in this hour to carry with my assignment? Who are my brothers and sisters that carry the same assignment heartbeat, Lord? I want to lock arms with those people in unity because when we do that, one will slay a thousand, but two will slay ten thousand. There's grace unlimited when God's people capture the vision of the house. So we put the other leg on. Then we put the devil leg on. Not that we're putting the devil on our chair, but the awareness that we will fight spiritual battles. As we press into our assignment, the enemy will visit us and try to intimidate us, but we are to stand strong, not be intimidated by his evil desires, because greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. And yes, we're in a battle, and Paul constantly said to the church, pray for me that there would be an open door for there are many adversaries. But we know that he has already won the battle. But we are not ignorant of his schemes. And we know that there will be resistance and delays at times, but we will win the battle. So we put that leg on. We're not unaware of his devices. And the last leg we put on is me. I will commit, Lord, to building personal capacity so I may share the load. So, Lord, I won't be the one that lets go, Lord, and the assignment is not fulfilled. I will build my capacity through routine in my life. And through the pressure of life, I will step up to the plate. I'll get knocked down, but I'll get back up. I will allow you to discipline my life as a good soldier because the overwhelming passion of my life is to fulfill the assignment of my life. Paul said it like this, to run the race that is set before me. That's the issue. It's not to compare myself with Dean or Adam or Shay or Jen, but it's to run my race, to find what's my part. Where's my, where's my handle to hold? I'll build my capacity through my own trials and insecurities and fears. I will stand up strong and I will lift with my brothers and sisters the assignment all the way to Jesus. Will you do that? See, this is your commitment. This is not just coming to church and having a coffee. It's saying, I sign up for the assignment over this church and over my family and over this city. I make it my job to find it. Not just for someone else. Take the assignment. Well, yes, there is a part where leaders articulate the assignment. But there's another part where the people have ears to hear what God is saying and let it unwind in their own life. Now I see what he sees. I make that commitment. I will press in. I will, I will discipline myself where it would be so easy to give up, to suck my thumb and say it's all too hard. God said, no, I've called you. I've called you to pick up that post. Take your position as a mighty warrior and get this assignment done. And I believe I'm talking to forerunners here today. I believe there's four men, four women that are forerunners that say, we know that we have an assignment from God. And we won't be put off by the devil or by our own lack. We will get that man to Jesus. What is the assignment over your family, over your life, over this church, over this city? What responsibility do you hold in that assignment? You know, you can't just fob this off. You can't say, well, Pastor Andrew, we pay you the big bucks to do the work. It's not like that with God. My job is to tell you, you've got a job. Because we don't want to hear that. We pay the pastor and the people to do the work and we come and cheer them on. And God said, no. The role of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. God has an assignment. Now listen, God is turning it inside out. The focus has been, and there's a balance, but the focus has been on what everything can focus in on the church and what takes place on Sunday and, 
And, and let's keep it all in here. But the true assignment is what takes place from Monday to Saturday. My job is to unlock the corporate assignment over this house and how that unpacks in your life individually. If there's an assignment here to reach the seven mountains, my job is to unlock that in your life. You need to discover your calling and go out there and change the world. That's your job. God, others, you remember this. The devil and me. That makes a good seat. Balanced. Balanced. See, the devil chases. The people who spend too much time in God's presence. Yeah, you can pray too much. Hide. Right friendship. Alignment together in unity. Personal capacity. A lot. Being aligned in heart and in mind with each other, taking your load. Saying, All right, Lord, I'm silent up. Fresh routine. Fresh routine. Because I'm not going to be one of those that drop the handle because it got too hard. I had my own issues. Sorry about that. Have a good time. When you get up there, say hello to Jesus for me. No, 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 no. We're all in this together. All got to count the cost. Reach for the prize. Fulfill the assignment that's on your life. Four-legged chair. God. Others. Satan and me. It's called a balanced life. And if you do those things, if you embrace these four things, the understanding behind these four things, the assignment over your life will be fulfilled. Did you hear that? Will be fulfilled. Did you hear that? Will be fulfilled. I know I've smacked you between the eyes today in love. But sometimes it's never in harshness or anger, but sometimes God confronts us and says, you know what? This is really important to me, this assignment. I've turned the page. I am no longer there. I'm here. And I want forerunners that would stand with me and get the job done. And that's you. God believes in you. That's why you're here today. The fact that you're here tells me that this message was for you. He believes in you. You're one of those ones that are going to climb up to the top. They're the heroes. They climbed to the top and Jesus saw their faith and the assignment was healed. I want to be like that, don't you? Yeah. Amen. So why don't you lift your hands with me today as we close. Precious Jesus, build me a seat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the assignment over every life. I know, Lord, in some people are thinking, what is my assignment? But you know what? As you make the commitment to these four areas of seeking the face of God, of aligning yourself right, all the things I've said, the assignment becomes so clear. God's desire is that every man, every woman, would have a crystal clear understanding of your purpose. He's not the author of confusion. So I ask, Lord, today, Implant in the heart of every person the understanding of what you have called them to do and build these four factors into their life, these four understandings, Lord, so they would be like the Apostle Paul. They would run the race that has been designed for them and fulfill the calling on their life. I ask in Jesus' name. Thank you for your assignment. Thank him for that today. Thank you, Lord, for the magnificence of your assignment over my life. Great and mighty is your assignment for me. Lord, marvelous are your works, and my soul knows that very well. Thank you, Lord, that you are not put off by my inabilities or my lack or my insecurities. Father, you've called some of the most weird people and given them the most amazing assignments because they said yes to you. And so we say, yes, Lord, if you believe it over my life, that settles it. Write on my heart the reality of your assignment. And I ask today, Lord, let it be fulfilled in every single heart.
every single heart. Let there come an alignment of the right people in their lives. I ask, Father, that you would cause them by your Spirit to cut off every unholy, every, every unholy alliance in their life and cause them to run, to run. I pray for marriages today, for husbands and wives. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a coming together of unity for the assignment over their families. I speak peace over their minds and over the assignment and a yes and an amen. A yes and an amen. A yes from the husband, an amen from the wife. A coming together of purpose over families, Lord. There are, there are families here today that God has called you as a family and given you an assignment. And even children, there needs to be a yes and amen to the covering assignment over your family. A yes and an amen. I thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that as people leave today, this word will ring in their hearts all week long. And we give you the praise, Lord. We receive your word. So do that now. Mark 4 says the word bears 30, 60, 100 fold because it goes in good soil. So say to him now, Lord, I receive your word. Just let him know that today. It's so important that the word does not return void, that it's planted in your heart.